<laughs> me complaining about Stephen King. It could be its own podcast. I both love and hate him. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mean to set you off. No, that's okay. I'm I, good. I cry your pardon. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. Ordinarily on this show, we would be discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter, but at the moment we're on a bit of a Dunecation, and as promised, today we'll be talking about the first installment of Stephen King's Dark Tower series, The Gunslinger. Yay! Yay. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing we talk about as much as dune i feel like yeah yeah it does that it's like the dark tower dune and romance novels <laughs> <laughs> there you have it <laughs> yep there it is uh, so for those who might not be familiar with the story the dark tower is a seven book genre defying series by stephen king and when i say genre defying I mean, that King takes elements of dark fantasy, high fantasy, post-apocalyptic science fiction, including his own, westerns, biblical allegories, uh, Arthurian legend. He puts them all in a blender, and that's what you have with this series. Um, the three biggest influences, I would say The Lord of the Rings, the uh, Sergio Leone's spaghetti westerns, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly in particular, and Robert Browning's Chill Day Roll into the Dark Tower came. And that's particularly in this book and the fourth book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what do we have here? We have a book. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so we're not digging into the overarching uh, series as a whole. It's just too much. We'd be here all day and all night, and you have a child to take care of, mm -hmm. Megan. <laughs> At some point, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit and ask, like, when did you first read this book? Like, what, you know, how did you come to the series? Like, did you read them in order? Did you pick up this one first and then go from there? Or? I did. And I read mm -hmm. it. Um, it was actually probably about eight, ten years ago now, uh, because <laughs> I had friends for some reason, because I've always read Stephen King, love Stephen King. I just never read these. And I think it was yeah. just because I really thought the first one was just kind of a Western, mm -hmm. which is not really a genre that interests me very much. Sure. And, you know, because he, you know, he'll write those like sort of pulp mysteries and like the old school hard boiled detective stories. And I just yeah, thought, like a, oh, he wrote a Western. Eh. Like Joyland, I think yeah. was one. Yeah. Um, and... But then I had friends in grad school who were reading them and were like eagerly awaiting the newest one, which I think at the time mm -hmm. was Wolves of the Kala. And that at that point, I was like, oh, well, huh, what is the whole what is this about? And then I realized that my my husband had the gunslinger that he had just mm -hmm. you know picked up somewhere. I forget which one. I think it was the revised that I read okay. first. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to read that one and I'll see if I like it. And I took it on a plane cause I thought I'll have to read it. I'm on a plane. And <laughs> then it was just one of those where the minute it was over, I was like, and now where's the next one? Cause give it to me. Uh, yeah. so I lucked out in that they were all released by the time I started reading them. So I didn't oh, have to you, wait. 
You are I'm very blessed. smart. Uh, so I did luck out in that capacity. Uh, and yeah, and it was just yeah. that I was all in. Yeah, so I, my dad actually gave me a copy of The Gunslinger when I was young. I would say maybe 13 because I had already read like a bunch of Stephen King at that point. I'd read It, I'd read Pet Cemetery. Uh, Eyes of the Dragon was the first one I'd read. So I already like knew... You know, so at least one of the characters yeah. <laughs> of this uh, of this series, but he gave me a copy of the Gunslinger. I think it must have been like somewhere between thirteen and fifteen, but it's still it's the copy that I still have today. Actually, it's very battered. But when I tried to read it, like as you said, like just the opening pages for someone that that age that isn't interested in westerns or anything really western adjacent. Uh, I couldn't get into it at the time, and I kind of put it aside. I think my dad was just very disappointed. <laughs> um, years and years later, I was in college, and I was in my dad's office, and I just grabbed, he had a copy of The Wastelands, and I just grabbed it, and I was like, oh, there's pictures in here. Yeah. <laughs> so I read The Wastelands all the way through, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and I had not read the previous two, so I went back and reread those. Uh -huh. Then I read, like, all three in succession, and, <laughs> you know, I had read this after the third book came out, but before the fourth book. Mm. So I was right in that seven-year yeah. sort of wait for the new one to come out and all the subsequent waiting that happened after that. So you're smart to have started when you did. <laughs> But I think, uh, you know, the first time, and this is a, I'm not going to spoil what or who this is, but, you know, when I read about uh, Shardik was immediately invested in this series. I was like, if you're going to have something as crazy as this, <laughs> I want, I, I want more. <laughs> and I got more. <laughs> Just try to imagine that that's your, like, <laughs> I need Shardik in my life. I do, though <laughs> I really do, and actually, I like all his little um, little helpers too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's getting ahead. We're not going to get into that today. There's nothing we're that interesting. No, here we're going to talk about the Gunslinger, which I would say of the seven books, like is the most like a western. Yes, at least the first part of it. On um, the story centers around our protagonist. Roland, who uh, we don't actually get in. Now, I have never read the revised edition mm -hmm. ever. I'm ah, okay. Like a purist here. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to be a purist. I just, it's one of the books, even though I quite like it, I feel like a lot of people don't like this book because it is very different from the other books yeah. in the series. But I rather like it. And when I like something, I really don't feel like it needs to be improved on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have never gone back and reread the, or read the revised edition. So there's a lot of stuff that you know that I don't know. <laughs> well, I'd say most of it is stuff that you would know because a lot of the revisions were done just to kind of fix little continuity things. Sure. Uh, which is a lot of it is as minute as there's a scene in the, in the gunslinger where Roland reads a book and mm -hmm. later he mentions how there aren't any books uh, yeah. in his world because paper is so rare and they, yeah. you know, it's just stuff like that where now he doesn't read a book because oops, you know, 
<laughs> sure. And yeah. I imagine like it's hard to keep a Bible on a series this big and expensive. When I say the series is huge, I don't mean just the size of the books themselves because they are pretty large. This is Stephen King we're talking about, but also just the world building involved in general. Yes. Like this is a massive, massive series. Like encompasses like <laughs> millennia and worlds, uh, like worlds, different other books, parallel universes, other books. Like if you have read any Stephen King book, you've probably read a Dark Tower book. Yeah, I mean, just especially if you've read them, The Stand. The Stand, um, Insomnia was yep. a really big one. Um, there is even Hearts like in Atlantis. Hearts in Atlantis was big. There's even reference to it in uh, Rose Matter. Uh-huh. Um, I, in fact, I used to have like keep a running, <laughs> a running tally on all of the connections and things like that. And now, you know, we have the internet. That's really other people do that for you now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you've read pretty much any Stephen King book, there's probably an element because I would say this is probably his. He would call this his magnum opus. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would actually. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Um. So, as I said, story centers around our protagonist Roland, who I don't call a hero because while he does many great and heroic things. He, I would say he does not have the selflessness to truly be called a hero. Not initially. Yeah, not maybe not initially. Certainly not in this book. Um, he's a little, uh, he's a bit Paul that way, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. He's very single-mindedly. He's single-minded. He's dangerously obsessed with his quest to, like, find and save the Dark Tower. And I'm using save in quotes here. Um, he barely gives a second thought to the trail of bodies he leaves behind. This book is very bloody. Yes. Yeah, it yes, is yes, soaked yes. in blood. <laughs> I would say much, much more than um, maybe any into up until you get into um, Wizard and Glass, which has a huge battle scene in it. Yes. Yeah. And many other horrors. I don't yeah. even I don't I don't particularly care for Wizard and Glass. I'm one of those people. Um you know, it feels like so, and just to, you know, step outside of this discussion, but it does feel like such a step away from the series as a whole. It feels like a step away from the narrative. Yeah. Like it would have been more entertaining as like a side novel, but it's so it's such a it's just a huge distraction. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, and it, it makes sense overall, but at the time that I was reading them, it was a sort of like, well, can we get back <laughs> to the rest of this, please? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big detour. Yeah. So the Dark Tower itself in this series is both an object, it's a physical thing, and it's a concept. It's the metaphysical nexus of all possible worlds and realities, the linchpin of the known universe. Um, it's depicted as both a literal tower and a rose, and once or twice, it's depicted as a blade of purple grass, a single blade of grass. Um, why it's purple? Hmm, I guess we're supposed to think it's alien. <laughs> the, destruction, <laughs> the destruction of the tower would mean universal chaos and death and darkness forever. Its salvation would mean a continuation, if not a restoration of life. Because as we hear, one of the phrases we hear repeated over and over in this book is that the world had moved on. Yes. Um, that as the tower sort of crumbles or is under attack or what have you, it, it affects 
things like time and reality and the space between worlds. You know, it's sort of a it's sort of a long, slow degradation. Like the the longer it's under attack, like the the worse things become, like in Roland's world, and that kind of bleeds into other worlds. Yeah. So the irony here is that Roland in his quest to save all life seems unable to grasp the value of it, at least in this first book, where he kills so many people. <laughs> so many people. Yeah, it's crazy. To be fair, he kind of is forced to, but Yeah. Totally. But this is one thing that I, I like about this book is that Roland is a more, even though he's so, he is basically as simple as a single celled organism in that he, he has one directive, like he has one motive. That's mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, like this original version, I feel like allows more complexity of the character. Like a lot of what he does is, because that's what he's trained to do. It's automatic. But he doesn't waste a lot of time, like, crying over all the people, you know, feeling no, bad yeah. about all the people that he killed, even though he knew he had to do it. But at the same time, it's just, like, we don't have a lot of sort of, eh, but I feel bad about it. No. No, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, I, I would say when he's telling his story, there are elements mm -hmm. of... I have to I have to get this out this this terrible thing I had to do. Well, and then part of that I always read too is that he was sort of compelled to not because he felt any sort of obligation to or like he needed to purge this from him but because the man in black wanted him to. That's the way I always read it. Hmm. Um sort of a, a lingering enchantment if you want to sort of the an entertainment like a, an hour of television for the man in black sort of listening in on this confession oh i don't know i don't know if i ever took it that way i always just thought that he just had to get it out mm -hmm. well your way makes him nicer so <laughs> i do want him to be nicer it is a thing and especially when you read all these books there's a lot mm -hmm. of just like roll and dude come on um, be better. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, will you, you be better, sir? You want these characters that are set up to be heroes, like Roland, and throughout the series, they constantly refer to him as like the coming of the white, which is like white magic, um, you know, peace, happiness, whatever. Like this is a thing that is reinforced throughout the whole series that he is like goodness and just innately good but at the same time like he does terrible things mm -hmm. he's he's not a heroic hero <laughs> like there is an el <laughs> there are things he does that are very good and like i do believe he is innately good but a lot of his actions are quite bad yeah and I, well i think that that's part of the reason that i do have that sort of like oh come on i want you to do better is because i do think that when you get heroes that are just so good Mm -hmm. Or who think they're so good? Uh, I hate as heroes Paul. that have yeah. I hate uh, heroes that are just one dimensionally exactly. Good. So the yeah. fact that you know he is working for good, even though he has selfish motivations and he's mm -hmm. done terrible things and he does have regrets and um, it's I think that makes him all the more special, as it were, to me as a character because mm -hmm. I like seeing a flawed person grow. And I think that yeah. he definitely does. Yeah, I would agree with that. Although I feel like, and we'll get 
hopefully we'll get to a point where we can discuss the last book. But a lot of that goodwill is destroyed for me <laughs> in the last book. Oh, um, see, yeah, opposite. Really? Yeah. Um, and it's not through any fault of Roland's at all. It's the the direction that the story takes. Yeah. It's not the character himself, but the direct, you know, the sort of <laughs> voice of God, as you were, as yeah. you will. That sort of spoils all of that for me because I f have to feel like there's that this is a choice that goodness is is not just a thing that you are; it's a thing that you choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but he does not get to make the, a lot of these choices today. <laughs> this is sort of pure, pure Roland, initial, yeah. initial Roland. Uh, we do not get a ton of, of look at how he may have changed or grown mm -mm. in so far as that was happening right now. Yeah. In fact, we're just dropped right into the middle of the story. Which one thing I will just say before we start that, that I think mm -hmm. is an interesting change between the two editions, mm -hmm. is the amount of time that things have been occurring in. Yeah, and I, I will, I did read about that. Yeah. I have, I did do Which a little homework on the differences. And I think that that's a, a change for the better. I do think that that, I, as I'm reading, a I'm looking at a list as well of things that were changed, just so I mm -hmm. make sure I cover stuff. Uh, I feel like I maybe I did read the original one first because I do know that a lot of these changes I remember thinking in the context of reading the later books like well hey what about blank so I, yeah mm -hmm. I must have read the original first because I remember specifically I remembered that paper reference yeah and uh, there was something I think I remember this this uh, bit here about time passing where I was like well wait a minute that would mean blah blah blah. And mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to, to track. And then I read back. And I think when I reread it, I read the revised one then and went, oh, aha, I see what you did here, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, specifically as to, and I think it's, we can talk about the time, the passage of time in this book um, as it is anyway. But in the original version, they have like a flashback of him going back to his home that he says he hadn't been to in... Uh, like 16 years or so, or 10 years or mm -hmm. something like that. It had been 10 years since he left. We know he left as a young man. So it gives sort of an idea of age of Roland in the first book, but like with the revisions and everything that comes after this book, Roland is actually quite ancient. <laughs> yes. And has been on this quest for <laughs> a very long time. Like, longer I'm, than the human lifespan, we'll just say that. Yeah, I, although <laughs> I still, I do find it hard to gauge when you look at him, mm -hmm. how old you're supposed to see. Because some people will say that he's incredibly old, and other people, it's not. And it's just like, God damn it, can we just get a clear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was one thing that I thought they touched on okay in the movie, which was just a kind of just subtle... Like, I've been doing this a very, very long time, but, you like, know. Like, I'm not, not as old as I look. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not, I don't look as old as I am. Yeah, you know, where it was just like, yeah, that's fine. I can deal with that. I can deal with it's been hundreds of years and you look like that. Fine. Sure. I can do your thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> look like Idris Elba. Right. I know. Please look like Idris Elba. Please. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you will hear no complaints from us. Nope. <laughs> I will say that when they announced that casting, I sat up and cheered. Hooray! <laughs> um, then I saw the movie and I was not cheering anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the movie's quite dreadful. And I do, I mean, if anyone is listening to this who has maybe only seen the movie, mm-hmm. I do agree with, I was reading a little bit after I watched it, uh, one of the reviews which said that you know, it was incomprehensible for anyone who wasn't familiar with the books, yeah. but then completely watered down and boring for anyone who had. And it was like, yeah, no. Yeah. That's so I could see if you watch that perfectly. movie, you're probably going, why would you ever talk about these books? Because they were clearly boring. Like, well, no, they're not. <laughs> the movie Not was. at all. <laughs> that movie was uh, a jumbled mess that still managed to be boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I think that... You should get the honor of reading the very, to overuse an internet word, iconic opening line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, we're dropped into the middle of the story. And, you know, this book is the most different from all of his, from all the rest of the series. And that the way it's written, I and Megan, do you agree with this, that this light... The way it's written, the language, everything is just much more sparse. Yes. In yeah. this book, it's Absolutely. written. It feels like a Western mm-hmm. is the thing. But it's also science fiction. But it's also King Arthur legend. But it's also all these other things. It's yeah. also horror. So, um, and it's romantic. And I mean, like, romantic in the literal sense in that it's very melancholy. It's not romantic in a romance sense. No. Uh, at all. Yeah. Ever. So, Um, But we get that in the first line of the book, which is the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. So iconic opening line. I've Mm -hmm. seen many a tattoo with this. Yes, as have I. Many (laughs) a Pinterest pretty, you know, word graphic. Sure. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Lots of Tumblr back in the day. Lots of Tumblr art uh, around this. Uh, it's a pretty great opening line, as mm-hmm. far as opening lines go. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this is why I don't think I got it when I was younger. Just because, you know, when you're younger, and you're, you're like, uh, so it's just two dudes walking across a desert? Boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm just, oh, man, I'm, this is terrible for me, because now I'm, like, trying to compare the two like things because i've got my two copies here and i'm like oh look at that oh look at that. megan that's not what we're doing <laughs> Megan, stop mine is so, yeah. the michael whalen has the michael whalen uh illustrations, illustrations? Though, so i'm just that's looking nice. at those yeah i have just the paperback which has little the little illustrations at the top of the chapter but uh reader or listeners not readers listeners if you have not read this book then I recommend getting the illustrated version just because I feel like Michael Whelan's illustrations are very beautiful mm-hmm. um, and really capture, like, the feeling of this book. Yeah, no, they're really, they're they're very beautiful. and They're very mm-hmm. atmospheric. And yeah. I think that there's a reason that they're so, like, associated with these yeah. books. Even if people haven't read the version with, the illustrations i think mm-hmm. you know you see it every so often i'll see someone post one of the images somewhere and they won't know where it's from and they'll just be mm-hmm. like look at this weird like cowboy art it's like oh <laughs> you don't even know <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know from weird <laughs> uh oh god why do i keep flipping to the worst possible <laughs> so we uh we know nothing of who these men are when the story opens when 
you know, first page, we just know there's a gunslinger, there's mm-hmm. a man in black, and there's a desert. That's all we know. They, one is chasing the other across the desert. Um, we never see everything that came before. I don't think even through the whole series. We no. see bits and pieces. Yeah. But this this book really... Um, and I realize that they do it in the revised edition a little more linear in a more linear fashion. But for this one, like we get some of the uh, the backstory told in flashback. Yeah. It's in a world, it's set in a world that it's very similar to our own, but not ours. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe in the revised edition, they take out he takes out certain elements that, you know, are more related to our world to make it just a little more alien. Yeah, little little like, things um, here and there. References to like Jesus, for one, I think is taken out because there's they're... still like one. Yeah, <laughs> he just um, says he's not a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I guess maybe in 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 this world, uh, it's Christianity is not as much of a thing. No. Yeah, and if it is, um, it's never referred to as such. You're just a follower of the man Jesus. Yeah. So we were discussing this a little before we started mm-hmm. recording, and I was just poking, poking at Bo. Uh, <laughs> and so mean. So one thing that is, I think, very much a part of the world of reading The Dark Tower is that it has a lot of its own language. Mm, yeah. Uh, a lot of this comes from just sort of common phrases and slang that are used between people. Uh, there's also high speech, which is what they spoke back uh, in Gilead, where Roland yeah. is from. That's a and... bit of the uh, Lord of the Rings influence there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you get a lot of things like, instead of saying Christianity, they say, you know, the man Jesus. You yeah. know, and it's little stuff that's meant to show you that this is taking place in another world. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, then you can sprinkle these things here and there because it helps to set more of a, you know, oh, this is so mystical and different and <laughs> exotic. And people say things like, thank you, big, big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, big, big. Thank you, Cy. Um, what else did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so mean. I cry your pardon. Yeah. I cry your pardon. Uh, uh, long days of pleasant nights. Yes, I actually really like that one. I think it's just a pretty thing to say. Well, you're supposed to respond, Bo. Uh, what's the response? Remind me, refresh my memory. And may you have twice the number. Oh, right. Okay. Ay, ay, ay. It's been a while. Okay. <laughs> what finishing school did you go to? I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't picked the series back up since I, I reread the first three um, more recently mm-hmm. but I haven't read all the way through since I finished the last yeah book. I haven't done a full reread I've and done bits the last book is the only one I ever read once <laughs> I read all of the many <laughs> like several times at least several times but um so some of it I'm a little rusty yeah, on. it's fine <laughs> I'm just being an ass. Yeah, that's okay. And being a so, dehydrated mule. Yes. And like the one that Roland is taking across the desert. Now we don't <laughs> even know his name yet. No. Because in, at least in my copy, he's not even given a name for the first hundred or so pages. Um, but he is walking across the desert. He has a mule. He comes to a hut where a man named Brown is living. Um, Brown gives Roland shelter and food for the night. And, you know, 
you could say is payment. Roland sort of tells him a story, tells him about coming from the town of Tull, uh, a desert town where he went, where in his pursuit of the man in black, the man in black had been there before him and had sort of left a couple of traps for yes. Roland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so slight things change. With the, so both things that stay the same are that he goes to this town. It's kind of your cliche desert town from a Western, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but except there's, you know, the slight differences again. Uh, lots of people have like vague things wrong with them. Yeah. Uh, there are, when he orders some burgers, the uh, woman at the saloon swears that the meat isn't like mutated and he's just like yeah yeah sure like right because <laughs> that's a big common thing is that most of all the remaining animals and livestock are mutated in some capacity uh it's very yeah. rare to find what is known as threaded stock which means that it's doesn't have anything wrong with it yeah uh so god knows and how some kind of nuclear fallout yes i think yeah yeah it's like radiation i think everyone's got it uh and then yeah, so we don't get a lot of world building in terms of, of animal life. It's still very similar to our own. A lot of the, you know, there's cactuses and timothy grass and, you know, people, there are mules and horses, most of which are near death. Occasionally yeah. someone has like a very skinny cow. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Brown has a, a crow. Named Zoltan. Named Zoltan, who talks. Uh, some animals do talk. They used to talk. That's a thing mm-hmm. that just kind of comes up every so often. There are some animals yeah. that talk. We will meet one later. Mm-hmm. Uh, there best is character in the series. The best IMO. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. Uh, one thing that is a change in between is that he does see in the revised edition, he sees a tahin, which yeah. is a, a creature that has the body of a man and the, fa- the head of an animal. Yep. Uh, so again, if you saw the movie, that's what all those bad guys were, even though they never show them being tahins, <laughs> really. So what was the point? It's very um, half-assed. It was, oh my god, incredibly so. Telling me Jackie Earl Haley couldn't have put on a crow head. Come on, Seriously. dude. Uh, so those, yeah. So we get this sort of setting. Uh, he meets. Well, he almost immediately gets into shit at the saloon because yeah. you know trouble follows this guy, and. He's thrown a lot of gold around, by the way, for someone who's... I guess he's not trying to be, like, undercover, but come yeah, on. Yeah, well, he knows that there's no one that's really in that town's going to take him. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, He's not that's, worried. Yeah, he's not concerned about it, but still. Uh, <laughs> so it's important, I think, to note that this book... Not the series, I would say, but this mm-hmm. book in particular, not fantastic with the ladies. No. There are really, like, two female characters, mm-hmm. uh, one of whom is just sort of this pitiful woman who lives in Tull named Allie. She has a scar. She has a scar uh, that is mentioned a lot mm-hmm. um, because she's trying to cover it up and it's not working. And she agrees to give Roland information about the man in black having coming through, having come through town if he will sleep with her. Which he does sure. sort of begrudgingly. Like, come on, dude. Like, all right. You're a prize. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a recurring theme of the series is they of do women. stop places of women being like, while well, you're here. <laughs> yeah. How's about? 
<laughs> I think technically it only happens like three times, but I felt like it happened a lot. <laughs> I think this is supposed to reinforce his I'm a knight on a quest thing. And, you know, women just fall in love with me everywhere I go. Uh, uh, maybe he's good at what he does. We don't really find I mean, out. I imagine he must be. He's had a long time to yeah. work on it. He's had a lot of practice, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't like thinking about that. I feel I'm just like, oh, no, Roland. I, don't, oh. I honestly don't mind thinking about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but so, uh, yeah, so there's Ali, and then there's a later one that we will get to named mm-hmm. Sylvia. And Sylvia Pinson. <sighs> Yeah. First, let's talk about Allie, I guess. Like, yeah, she's sure. fine. Uh, she, yeah, she runs a saloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's just sort of sad and, you know. Needy. Bit, she's yeah. depicted as very needy. Yeah. Which I don't love. <laughs> she's very, very needy. Uh, she's. But it's an interesting thing that he does with this character because, you know, Roland can start to feel himself like sort of caring for her or, Mm -hmm. you know, he he sees like, oh, this is a trap that, you know, the man in black left for me is that I would find this person and then start to care about them. And this is something that we see repeated throughout this book of, you know. Rolling coming across someone and starting to care for them and being like, oh, God, it's a trap. <laughs> so uh, you need to work yeah. on yourself, son. <laughs> um, and so one, so a big thing does happen mm-hmm. in between. And she's also depicted, and this happens kind of frequently. She's incredibly horny. Yes. Like she's, it's beyond needy because she's needy just emotionally uh, because I don't think, I mean, there's like you know, seventy five people in this town, and they are all terrible. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, she's not spoiled for choice or anything. No, no. <laughs> uh, but she basically just really, as soon as she sees Roland, is like, gotta have it. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> and she even apparently at one point thinks that it might be that she's about to go through menopause because she's just Mm. so horny all the time and she cannot handle it and so she agrees to give information to Roland as we said uh in exchange for them sleeping together and they do sort of start like a little relationship like he stays at her place and um then and then she dies yeah well well more on that in a minute yeah yeah so should we talk about Sylvia now I know. Uh, Sylvia, I called her in my show notes our Baron Harkonnen character. Yeah. yeah. I mean. um, because as we've said for, yeah, we, we've mentioned this in one of the previous Dune episodes about, you know, the Baron and sort of fatness being shorthand for evilness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a theme that we see here. Sylvia Pitson is the, she is a preacher in the, like, they have, like, a local church there whenever she is a follower of the man Jesus, I think, right? Uh, she thinks so, at least. Yeah. She she thinks so. She is red-haired and very fat. That's what we know about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yet, immediately... Roland 
is attracted to her. Oh, which, yeah. He sweet gets God, su- it must be magic because he she's so fat. gets super horny. <laughs> yeah. In her presence. Yeah. <sighs> um, she reveals to Roland that she has, you know, the man in black has been there and he has put a demon in her. And that's great. Congratulations. And yeah, Roland she- does something really bad. Oh. it's bad <laughs> like it Megan no and that was what I of course opened my book to and was just like <laughs> roll it I mean should we put a content warning at this uh, yeah yeah so content warning um this is sensitive so if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds like do it now but Roland essentially essentially assaults her with his gun yeah yeah it's not good no no and causes her to somehow lose the demon yeah that part has always been very vague to me well i'm fine with it it's another allusion to the magic carried in roland's guns i think because yeah full of white magic and yeah and so she basically kind of swears revenge at that point uh Mm -hmm. because he leaves her and she says you know get out and so she is then able to turn the entire town against roland uh, I mean, powered, I feel, in back by the man in black. Uh, and every single resident of the town attempts to kill Roland. And mm-hmm. he is, in turn, forced to kill every single resident of the town. Yes. Uh, up to and including men, women, and children and Allie. Yes. In the original version, Allie is used as a human shield. And, you know, Roland sees her. But fires anyway knowing it's going to kill her but it's also going to kill the guy who is using her as a shield Mm -hmm. so um in this other version she's kind of goes crazy right so in the revised edition Mm -hmm. she is given a note there's a character named nort yes who we haven't mentioned him but nort was the person that was he was brought back from the dead by the men and by the man in black um, in sort of a profane ritual that involves like the man in black spitting, like desecrating his body by spitting on it over and over. There's a lot of spitting though. I mean, yeah, Roland spits weird. on Brown's crops and that's like a thing. Yeah. So she is given a note uh, via, from the man in black via Nort uh, mm-hmm. and is told basically like, don't read this. But she reads it anyway. And the contents of the note are basically that if she asks, I'm trying to remember the exact specifications of it. Basically, if she hears the number 19, she will go insane. Okay. Uh, because that is something that comes in uh, in the later books is this uh, this nines and 19s. Uh, and so this was sort of Stephen King mixing that into this first book, which does not have any of that in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she... Well, I think she's, and so she doesn't, she's basically told in this note to just like never ask Nort a question, but it is an obsession. It's planted Mm. as an obsession. And so she's forced to. And so when this all goes down, she has finally succumbed to ask Nort what it is. And so she kind of goes mad. And in this revised edition is going to try also to kill Roland, but begs him is still herself enough to say like, I asked him, he answered, please kill me. Mm-hmm. And so he kills her uh, kind of out of pity. 
as opposed yeah. to just out of being a cold, cold asshole. Yeah, hmm, that's great. <laughs> which is, you know, that's a, a choice. I don't, I don't really know which one I, I prefer. I don't really like her being an object of pity any more than I like her being a human shield. But yeah, yeah, this is why we say like this book in particular in the series is not great for women. And I do think he tries to course correct in subsequent books. Yes. And, and especially in the se- in the next. We get female main characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that those aren't problematic in themselves. Oh, but, but that's, it's different. Yeah, we'll definitely get, it's not because they're women. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> Although now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like trying to count out female characters in my head and it's still not great. It's still not great, <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah, it could be, it could be improved upon for Especially sure. Especially when you balance their motivations against each other. Because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, kind of good, kind of good. Succubus. I remember there was a um there it was probably one of the first fanfics I ever read was actually Dark Tower a short Dark Tower fic called Lilith and the Y and it was about a female uh gunslinger named Lilith and I liked it a lot <laughs> like if you can find it out there go read it you know just keep in mind I first read it when I was like 19 and I thought it was the shit so 19 I know uh magic number (laughs) uh also yeah there's a lot of because there's also a succubus there's demons Mm -hmm. so it's just important to note in this world that there are demons and that they are kind of just a part of everyday life yeah. Uh, when when uh, Roland is first walking into in the desert and before he meets Brown, he passes like, the remains of like great estates with big mm-hmm. houses, and he could tell that there are just demons living in those. And a lot of dark places will just have a demon. Yeah. Uh, so that is a bit of world building that I enjoy. That people are just like, oh, totally. that yeah, don't go over there. There's a demon in there. It's like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Like, hey, fine. <laughs> I mean, even uh, if the, they threw in, like, even with this mention of the Tahine in this one, I do like mm-hmm. that it, it is because he mentions it to Brown that he saw it. And it's Brown is basically just like, yep, they're weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> he says, what does he say? It's it's a funny thing where he's talking about it. Uh, he says he's talking about the Tahine. He says he's lost his way. Mm-hmm. He goes, <laughs> uh and Brown says, well, he don't bite and he don't bide, so fuck him. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. what I mean with, like, some of the more, like, sort of the more, like, sparse language of this book and sort of the mm-hmm. way that it, it does come across as that's something someone in a Western would say, I feel like. Yeah, and just, but there's the fact that they're talking about a person with a bird head that you yeah. saw in the desert. It's like, it makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> So we are not even, I oh, mean, no. we're still in, like, the very still first the pages. the very beginning. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. So Roland tells the story of what happened in Tull, which we've just recounted. Mm-hmm. Um, when he wakes up the next day, he finds that his mule has died because the poor thing was, you know, dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Forcing him to proceed on foot. He lets, uh, he, he just leaves the mule there with Brown. Brown says, well, my, my bird ate its eyes. And he's like, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mule. R.I.P. Mule. Yeah. Uh, so Roland comes to the way station in the desert where he 
collapses from dehydration and finds that someone is there giving him water. And it's this young boy who he comes to know is named Jake Chambers, which is a great name, I think, for a Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a young boy who has actually died in our world or a world that is very similar to ours by being after being pushed in traffic only to wake up in this strange place in the desert. Yes. Um, he gives Roland water. He tells him that the man in black had been there before him. But Jake hid out of fright. He doesn't remember how long he's been there. Roland decides to take Jake with him. I think in my version, at least, he seems to sense that there's some purpose in taking him with him. And also, like, he knows that Jake is not going to last long if he leaves him there on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the cellar, speaking of demons, in the cellar of the way station, Roland goes down there looking for food. He discovers a speaking demon, and the speaking demon gives him a warning. And, um... I, I believe the warning is as long as the boy travels with you, the man in black has you in his pocket, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, Roland's like, okay, cool, and takes the jawbone <laughs> of the speaking <laughs> demon, which is a thing they do. <laughs> There's lots of jawbones in this movie. There in fact, very much are. Yeah, in the first, very first page with yeah. the letter T, it, there is a jawbone hanging off the T. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a, I call it spooky currency. They use it as talismans. <laughs> um, uh, so later in the story, like they're making their way together. I think it's interesting to note that f- around the time that Roland t- decides to take take Jake with him when they leave the way station the terrain starts to change you start to see grass and life and things like that like scrubby grasses at first and then they're kind of getting into a more like mountainous area I feel like Mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting thematically because Jake in his way like represents life new beginnings etc um they are camping and uh, Roland ends up rescuing Jake from an encounter with a succubus. They have what they call um, speaking stones, I think. Yes. Yeah, it's a, which is basically a henge. Yeah. Um, and in the henge, there is a demon, a succubus living there. And uh, Jake wanders in and she's this succubus is assaulting the poor boy. Roland ends up saving Jake, uh, gives him the jawbone, says, hold this, you'll be fine. And he ends up fucking a ghost. Fucks a ghost. Yes. Yes, he is officially a space doctor. Everybody's fucking ghosts. (laughs) This will kind of come back later. And it is hilarious to me because when it does come back, even Roland is kind of like, did I fuck a ghost? Oh, right. I fucked that ghost. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that ghost. Okay. Huh. (laughs) How about that? That did happen. Yeah. Uh, This is kind of where we get, um, start getting some flashback scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's revealed that Roland is the son of Stephen, who is gunslinger and a lord of Gilead, which is where um Roland's from now one thing to keep in mind about this world is there's kind of three parts of it there's end world which is where Roland's from which is like a clean sort of good place it's supposed to represent the west I feel like yeah there's like every there's like goodness and light and blah 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 and then there's mid world which is sort of this wild west 
jumbled, disjointed. Most most things take place. And if people talk about the world of a dark tower, they're almost always usually referring to mid-world. Yeah. And then there's in-world, which we don't see until much, 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 much later. I I think of it as sort of like, like sort of layers, uh, end-world being... End world being like a very thin layer, and then mid world being like the very thickest, mm-hmm. and, and with in world being the very smallest, like a bowl, sort of. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. So, yeah, this is kind of important because we start to learn when, you know, in learning Roland's backstory, we sort of see how he was set on this path, uh, how he became a gunslinger. Uh, <laughs> do you kind of want to explain this part about? Roland's home life? Uh, <laughs> so he was a little little pissant. Yeah. Um <laughs> little baby little, little baby, baby Roland. Yeah. 14 uh, so years he's old. 14 years old. And that so pissant age. That is peak pissant age. Yeah. So as we said, his father, Stephen, was uh, also a gunslinger. And his mother Gabrielle was kind of just uh, his mother lady yeah a lady of the uh there is uh I this is I had meant to put this uh, earlier when you mentioned the uh, the fan fiction in the comics there Mm -hmm. is a girl gunslinger yeah Um, Eileen uh yes maybe she's mentioned in the book in the original book yeah she's mentioned the original book but then they change that to Susan but then they bring it back Mm-hmm. Uh, for the comics, so when you become like a man, like a, an actual like gunslinger, you have to challenge the trainer Court, who is sort of the gurney. Uh and so yeah. Roland got tricked into challenging Court way too early. He's like yeah. the youngest person to ever try. Uh, by we are it is revealed uh martin who is the man in black yeah uh although that i think is a different well we'll get to that in a second but he was sort of the wizard of the court mm-hmm. and he was also having an affair with roland's mother gabrielle mm-hmm. which roland is a real ass about yeah uh i can't remember how much of he's an ass about it is in this book versus wizard and glass so i'm trying not to he's kind of a dick about it in this one if i'm remembering yeah i think it's in wizard and glass we get a i mean one thing that has to be brought up for me is just Mm -hmm. that it is made kind of clear later on that his mom was not the strongest willed woman right and was very by herself and lonely and there and was someone a wizard. preyed upon her vulnerabilities. Someone preyed upon her vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and her son does not want to hear any of that because he yeah. worships his father and just sees this, you know, this ultimate betrayal of his father who is perfect. Sure. And so he thinks his mom really sucks. Yeah. Is any of this sounding familiar? <laughs> uh, so he challenges court. And he ends up defeating him. But in order to do so, he has to sacrifice his hawk, David, uh, by basically, like, throwing him at court in the middle of battle. And that's not very nice. No, it it really, like, the description. I've never been a person that is fascinated or intrigued or impressed by raptor birds, like, I want them to be far, far away from me. I'm not even comfortable 
looking at them at the zoo. <laughs> like flicking them off. You drive by. There's like a hawk on a light post. You're like, fuck I, you. <laughs> I actually do that. Yes. <laughs> Laugh at me if you want to. I but will. They, get, they give me the fucking creeps. Like I'm, yeah, I'm not fair. a bird person at all. And I feel like a lot of that I blame Stephen King for. Mm. Um. If you've ever read The Talisman, you know that there is some fucked up shit with a seagull in that book. Oh, if you've yeah. read um, It, there is the bird at the standpipe, not the standpipe, at the uh, Kitchener Ironworks. Mm-hmm. That part messed me up. There's a lot of really weird bird shit in Stephen King's books. And I started reading these when I was nine years old. So it gave me some issues. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie, but I don't like birds. Um, yeah, this is, but the description of this fight in the book is brutal. Yes. It is brutal. He basically puts Court in a coma, uh, thereby winning and his bird dies in the process. But it's important because we see that Roland will sacrifice something that he loves in order Mm. to get what he wants. And we also learn a lot that there is, this is a, a very long, big time of, of, instability in his kingdom in Gilead. Uh, They uncover, he and one of his friends uncover a plot by the cook, a man named Hax, to poison everyone in the castle. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, realize that they have to, you know, tell somebody. Uh, And he, Hax is killed and he has to kind of feel a certain amount of guilt for that, even though he knows that he did the right thing. But he, he and his best friend, um, Cuthbert, actually go to see the hanging. That's kind of a big part of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also something, just something quick that gets changed, is uh, uh, the name of the town initially in the book was Farson. Yeah. But that gets changed to Tauntaun. <laughs> Because there's a character named John Farson and they're yeah. not connected. So yeah. I think he just thought it sounded cool and then he went, oh, wait. <laughs> uh, which I've done. I've definitely yeah. done that with stuff. Like, this name's cool. Oh, wait, everyone's named this. Mm-hmm. Shit. Uh, so that's how Roland becomes a gunslinger uh, yeah. when he's just a little wee, wee baby. A wee slip of a boy. Uh, and he has his buddies. Yes. We only meet, really only meet Cuthbert in this one. But he's the best one, so that's he's fine. definitely the best one. Um, I mean, I love Elaine too, but yeah, who I think in this one, there's a reference to someone named Paul, but he's not mm-hmm. like a real person. That's <laughs> Elaine, like yeah, that's another oops. <laughs> yeah, oopsie. Well, I'm sure he didn't imagine that this series was going to take over his life in such a big way. No, that's the yeah. thing. Like, and it's really interesting because I think people think that when you write something like this you're you're sitting down and mapping everything out initially and i you no. know i i do that to some capacity with certain things just because i like building up worlds i like world building mm-hmm. so and that at times is a real problem actually because i will just not do anything else like i will build up mm-hmm. worlds and have like and you family won't actually trees do i want actually writing. yeah yeah. But hey, everyone's got a real no, great. I mean, honestly, like, I just published a book that was the second in a series. And the amount of time I spent having to go back 
and change things because it was different from something that I'd written in the first book. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of <laughs> a lot. So I'm just saying, like, I'm sure, like, there were a lot of things that were planned and outlined, but things just come up. You know, things just shit happens, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't plan for it. And I'm cert- I'm sure you know, this series, as we said, is so massive, so expansive that he couldn't plan for everything. Shit, mm-hmm. shit happens. Yeah, exactly. And so... I mean, as people may or may not be aware, a lot of real life shit happened. Yeah. While he I mean, was working on these. So not I, only just like the accident that he was in, you know, not not just getting hit by a van, but I mean, like he struggled with substance abuse. He, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure he had like marital problems and was raising children and things like that. Like, yeah. there was a lot going on in his life. And like, he's been very frank and open about a lot of it, but it does affect your work. Mm-hmm. real life you know it's sometimes for better but sometimes for worse so and i don't know if all y'all have noticed but the man is prolific he writes <laughs> a lot yeah um so there was a lot going on in yeah. that brain yeah um, i'm sure it's hard to keep track of all that he's got perking or percolating in there i would think so yeah but <laughs> you know, props um, to him yeah <laughs> so we get back into the story. Um, they're making their way through the mountains. Jake has become to suspect that he's going to die before mm-hmm. they catch up to the man in black and that Roland will have some hand in it. He thinks he's either going to die or be abandoned by Roland, which would yeah. be horrible. Like in a stra- in an alien world that you don't know yeah. <laughs> on your own at, you know, not even 12 years old yet. Like that's a terrible fate. Well... Yeah. <laughs> they uh, make their way through a tunnel in a mountain, which to me, when I read this, I got the impression that it was more of like a like a subway tunnel all- almost. Like there's, I don't know. Hmm. Um, there's I a tunnel s- in a mountain because they're on that thing, you know, that thing <laughs> that they have in the old timey Westerns. Where oh, the hand someone, cart. The hand cart. The hand yeah. Cart. They do the hand cart for a long time. Um, God, I can't even think of simple Probably words like hand some cart. kind of fucking talking train. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a point. You've got a point. <laughs> for more talking trains, stay tuned for book three. <laughs> yeah. My um, daughter watches a lot of talking train media, and every time I have this Every time. Of, You'd be yeah, a happy like choo-choo train until the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> Why must all these trains speak and have human faces? <laughs> Why are there so many talking trains in children's media? I know. Don't they realize how creepy that is? Right? (laughs) Um, Jake falls. Jake does fall. He's kind of hanging over this ledge over an abyss, basically. It's like a a big black nothing. Because they meet uh, slow mutants. Yes. Which are just sort of people who have been really exposed to the nuclear fallout and are all weird. and... And I think that's another reason why end world is considered like this light of civilization because they i feel like they were so far out from whatever this disaster was that happened nuclear atomic whatever that they didn't get the kind of fallout that this part got Mm -hmm. i mean there is some if you read the fourth book 
Wizard and Glass, your favorite, there are <laughs> like, you know, there is reference to how many threaded stock of horses this branch has and how many are mutants. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it did make its way out there. It just took longer and didn't seem to be as severe. It's not as bad. Right. <laughs> Um, so Roland, he does struggle for a minute with indecision. Like he's feeling, he, he has come to love Jake in his way. Um, but in the end, he lets him fall with the ever so ham-fisted line. <laughs> Go then, so then there are other, other worlds than these. than these. Oh, we were going to say it together and it was going to be Okay, really cool. here, we'll do it again. Okay, ready? Okay. One, two, three. Go, Go then. then. There, there are, are other, other worlds than these. these. <laughs> it's not, you can't say it at the same it's time. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it would have been really beautiful, guys. I'm telling you, like, I do say ham-fisted. It's not a bad line on its own. It's a terrible line for a kid to say. Because no kid talks Granted. like that. No kid from our world would say that. Well, he's not from our world. He's or from, world like, similar to Earth ours. 2 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I lose track. Yeah, so... This is sort of your Abraham and Isaac thing, only, you know, Jake's sacrifice basically served as a payment. Now Mm -hmm. Roland is able to catch up to the man in black, who he discovers is this man called Walter. And this was, I was listening to the Stephen King cast um, episode on this book. Yeah, which is a good, uh, like a a very decent podcast that goes very in-depth into all of the books. Um. And he says, like, it's a bit of a letdown to hear that this person's name is Walter. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah. Which because... is actually, I think they make that joke kind of in the movie, which yeah. there is a point where someone says Walter. And I think Jake is like, his name is Walter? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, because it's so normal and mundane and such a human name. He doesn't. I'm going to just, you know, without going too far in advance. He doesn't pick the most catchy name. No. <laughs> Who's choosing these names? Right. Who's doing this? Uh, I mean, Jake Chambers is le- legitimately a good name. But well, I meant I meant Walter. Yeah, but Walter is given that he has a lot. Quite lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Roland knows him. He knows him as a man that served Martin in back in Gilead, and, and later. I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say, but they're kind of, the line is blurred later and it's kind of like, oh, they're the same person. Yeah, that happens um, more in the revised edition. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, yeah, like I think, uh, because at the end of the book of the gunslinger, at the end of this version, uh, Walter is ostensibly dead. Uh, which I think in the original edition is very clear. Like, yeah. it's very much, you know, there's Roland and Walter is dead. Uh, but it's... So it's the kind end, of retconned later that it, Walter might have switched, put his clothes on a, a skeleton that was already there. Conveniently, but I feel like yeah. there's a lot of skeletons. No, well, but it's, they're it's, in it's a Golgotha, it, yeah. Yeah, so initially... The, so he just he finds so he thinks in this first one that he finds Walter, Walter dies. Yes. But he still has to find Martin. So there's still this concept that he's still searching for yet another man in black, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the revised edition, to mix it into later, it is that yeah, it is not Walter did not actually die, and Walter was in fact also Martin. Mm-hmm. And 
they don't uh there are references in this book to like a greater evil called the beast yes. uh, which is altered in the revised edition to be the crimson king who mm-hmm. is the ultimate villain um in a way i'm not gonna say anything about that yeah that's yeah i'm just no. gonna say pshaw uh but yeah, so it is interesting because I now I definitely think I read this edition first because I remember thinking that it was a little disappointing that mm-hmm. Walter just is dead. Yeah, well, to explain like how yeah. he's just suddenly dead is Walter and Roland sit down in this place of skulls, this Golgotha, and have a palaver. Um, Walter draws cards for what Roland basically does a tarot reading for him. Um, and gives him, like, shows him who he needs to collect, basically, to, you know, they're like, Pokemon, gotta catch them all, to complete <laughs> his quest, um, or help him along on his quest to, to get to the tower. Um, there are three names, three cards he draws, the Fool, the Lady of Shadows, and the Pusher. And we'll meet all of them in the next book. Mm-hmm. But they're all just based on the cards that Roland is looking at. They're all very unsettling characters. Yes. Um, (laughs) Roland uh, falls asleep and starts to dream. He sees like a a white light that is both very beautiful and very terrifying. Um, Wakes up with the image of a single blade of purple glass. Grass. (laughs) Not glass. Grass. (laughs) The stuff that grows out of the ground. Um, and he wakes up to see Walter's skeleton still in his clothes. Walter has been long dead. Their talk took 10 years or more. I, I think it in the revised edition, it's hinted that it's much more. Yeah, it's like hundreds of years. Yeah, hundreds of years. Um, Roland takes the jawbone from the skeleton and makes his way off the mountain towards the sea. He's finally left the desert behind. And I think the last thing he says in the book is, I loved you, Jake. Um, Which, yeah, okay. Mm, yeah, let me see. Let me find it. Do, do, do. What is happening right now? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he continues his quest. And that's the end of the book. But... Very much not the end of the series. Yes. And I would just like to note, as one of my ever popular kind of spoilers, but mostly (laughs) just me saying stuff, he should maybe not have gone towards the ocean. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or maybe just not falling asleep on the beach. Oh, no. Not a place for you to do that. It's not a good thing to do, my friend. Nope. Just if only we could be there. (laughs) yeah waving her hands and saying don't go down there although a friend a friend of of mine and i have sort of this running joke that we do and she actually made when everyone was doing those bit strips on facebook she made them of the two of us if we were in (laughs) midworld and it was just how useless the two of us would be as like members of his eventual content because we would just constantly (laughs) be like stop i'm hungry (laughs) i want to go to sleep i want to shoot a gun want to go to bed my feet hurt yeah (laughs) he'd leave us somewhere that we would get abandoned he'd be like oh my gosh why why did this happen how'd i get these two right like hi we're here (laughs) we're in the content and we suck 
Yeah, I would be the most useless part of Roland's oh my God. content for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, um, I'm really good at bar trivia. <laughs> like, I wear glasses, so I actually cannot see if I don't have these. So let's yeah. just keep hold of these guys, because otherwise, <laughs> oh. uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, have... I, I suppose I should mention, too, like, we didn't really even talk about the level of skill involved in being a gunslinger like okay. why just any yahoo with a couple of guns can't call themselves a gunslinger and i think but i do think that that is something that builds up later because i think in this one he is just sort of like you said the like you know sergio leone like ultimate cowboy yeah uh, it's less as sort of astonishing as it is mm -hmm. in later in later books yeah uh although i do think that it never gets um the movie got a little matrixy yeah <laughs> and it's not quite to that level like i never feel like anything he does in the books is necessarily out of the i mean it's a you know a fantasy sci-fi situation mm -hmm. but there was never a point where i was just like oh my god really like well it's not just you know. that i mean it, you almost have to have like an innate something in you to make mm -hmm. yourself to be a gunslinger because yeah. As we see with some of the people that he had, some of the other members of his quartet going forward, like, have, like, this why they're called to him because they have this. Yeah. Sort Which of. Which we should explain that that's, so that's more of Dark Tower language. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe quartet is, is high speech. And it's like a group of people that are joined together for a purpose uh, sort of beyond their control. Mm -hmm. And they are, yeah, so, like, they're all your pulled together. Your destiny posse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your destiny posse. So, like, the Losers Club and It is, mm -hmm. is a content. Uh, and they're, yeah, so these are characters that will come up later. We got mentioned some of his sort of previous content earlier, like Cuthbert and... Mm -hmm. Paul, Elaine. Yeah. But we will learn more about them later. Yeah, Particularly I, Cuthbert, who's great. As I said, I'm reading The Stand now. So there's a content of four that goes mm -hmm. out at the end there. Um, yeah, it's... And yeah, Cuthbert is great. Cuthbert's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other thoughts you want to add to this, Megan? I mean, I know well, we, we I barely, mean, like, glanced on the plot. The, like, we just basically ran down the basics, the bare bones of this plot. Yeah. We're barely even skimming the surface. And it's a little, and, and, and just so, I mean, people are on the same page as this. This is like a slip of a book, especially comparatively. Compared to the other ones, yeah. I mean, compared to Dune. Like, I could hold it up next to Dune, and Dune very much dwarfs it. It's... About as I, long as what we just finished reading for for Let's Get Weirding. Yeah, because I'm looking at my original one, mm -hmm. and that is, yeah, 216 pages. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that I think the first book in the initial edition is kind of more standalone. Mm -hmm. Partially because there were not the reference, I mean, but even the references that tie into the later series don't really mean a lot unless you've read the rest yeah. of the series. And, and it's important, I think, to note too that the original series was published in four parts in mm -hmm. a magazine. Yeah. So I mean, it does read that way a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like short stories that were tied together. Mm -hmm. 
And there are lots. I mean, and there are other there are other short stories uh, with these several. characters. There's yeah. a ton, and a novella that mm-hmm. was published afterwards. Um, that so I was th- fully expecting not to like, but I actually liked quite a bit. No, I did. I liked that too. Um, it's the the wind through the keyhole. If anyone yes. is the little, if you want to read this in linear, in like a linear way, you start with the little sisters of Aluria. Mm-hmm. And then move on to the gunslinger, but it's, I don't feel like it's as good to read it that way. Well, then that, oh wait, then that makes four, because does he sleep with that chicken, Little Sisters of Illyria? The, yes. Yeah. Damn it, Roland. <laughs> I know. Sir. Holster that thing. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> I was waiting, there's that scene at the hospital in the movie, I was waiting for them to be like, so you have, was it, he had hepatitis A. And yeah. B, and radiation poisoning, like, and oh, what is all this? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have names for some of these. <laughs> Honk, sir, what have you been doing? Honestly, like, Safe I sex. feel like, and just to just to mention the movie, like, I feel like Idris Elba was a great choice to play Roland. I agree, and I enjoyed his portrayal of Roland. I just lament that the movie was so poorly written and so poorly executed, because and not of- about him. Yeah, I mean, the book is called The Gunslinger. And I get that it was, you know, it was sort of, there's no good way. This is the problem, again, as we said before, like when I was talking about that review, Mm -hmm. there's not a good way to really talk about the movie if you haven't read the books, because what the movie is supposed to be doesn't make any sense unless you've read the books. It's a mashup Um, of... It's a mashup, but it's also a continue... See, I... Yeah. But anyway... (laughs) so yeah i mean i love the series and Mm -hmm. i think this book in particular is is really good uh even not withstanding the rest of the series because when i read this i really had no idea about the rest of it and i didn't know how grandiose it was going to become and but this is just a really good enjoyable book and Mm -hmm. i think that it does a lot with really common tropes but with enough difference that you're like, yeah, okay. Like the fact that the hero isn't a perfect person or, you know, he doesn't have, by the end of this book, he does not have some grand, you know, him admitting that he loved Jake is Mm -hmm. really a huge amount of character growth. Oh, totally. And it's so well done because it's not in a lot of literature, especially in these sorts of these genres, he would have discovered that, by saving Jake. Yeah. Or if and, Jake had and, died in a way that wasn't his fault. Yeah. I think I actually, um, I will have more to say on that later <laughs> when I can get into spoilers. Yeah. I mean, so as cheesy as it kind of will sound, you know, Ro- Roland learning to love is a really big deal. It is. It is. And um, But I'm, it's not, I, I do like that what the series does is that it doesn't take that and then it's not it's not magic. No. You know, it's not like, oh, his his heart grew three sizes that day and then everything is perfect. It's like No, it's just, a very you know. human thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really I mean, one of the things I really love about this because it is this series and this book in particular because it is such an exploration of humanity. Um there are things, especially like him talking about Walter or the man in black at that point when he comes upon his campsite and he says something about, you know, there are signs of his 
his humanity, like mm-hmm. for one. At that point, you really you don't you're not even sure if if Roland is a human. Yeah, because you just know he's really old. He's been walking across the desert a long time. He has been trained to resist thirst. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff about this that's very outlandish, but at the same time, like you do see this change in him as the book goes on, especially after he finds Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a big thing to admit that you love someone, <laughs> yeah. um, whether or not you, you know, let them die or not. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got to work is, on it. Yeah. This book is very beautiful. I think mm-hmm. um, I love the language of it. I do. Like I said earlier, I do think it's a very romantic book. It's very melancholy. Um, as it as I told you, like I'd read the third book first. So coming into this, I was actually completely surprised by how different it was. I know uh-huh. that the revised edition, um, listeners, if you haven't read this book, like I recommend reading both <laughs> versions. Honestly, I, I would agree. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would read the original first because it isn't as accessible as the rest of the series is mm-hmm. f- for the average reader. I feel like that's more of a challenge. Um, but it's very beautiful and it's very worth the effort. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't think that, I don't think that a lot of the things that were from the original that weren't changed, if you just like decide, Oh, I'm going to read the original edition. Mm -hmm. uh, I think technically only the revised one is what would be considered Canon. If you were going to be technical, but uh, I really don't think that a lot of them are differences, except for the little things that we have mentioned, like, mm-hmm. well, the, the Walter Martin thing. That is something that I think would affect you mm-hmm. uh, reading later ones. But a lot of the little changes aren't anything that you're going to notice unless you're just a nitpicker like I am. Because <laughs> I know I but I, I, I notice a lot of world building clues yeah so reading a lot of fantasy a lot of sci-fi i am that person who notices like oh but they said people from that island never eat peaches and he's eating a peach pie like (laughs) wait a minute but yeah that's that's not something that i glom on to a lot which is a nightmare for my editor when i'm writing historical because she's like, you can't say hallway. They didn't say hallway in Britain. They say corridor. I'm just like, ah, who, who's going to notice? Oh, a lot of people will notice. <laughs> Trust me. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a, a mini episode come out the following, you know, just following this one that will be chock full of spoilers because we have a few things we have to get off our chest. But uh, we didn't want to spoil too far in advance of this book. So stay tuned for yeah. that. Um, thank you for sticking with us on this Outlier episode. Um, coming with us on our Dunecation. I'm sure we'll be back to talk about the next book, Drawing of the Three, when we finish book two of Dune. We're definitely mm. going to need a Dunecation then. <laughs> but I like the that m- our Dunecation is just yet another incredibly deep series yeah and it's just like more religious weirdos in the desert sure um (laughs) but in the meantime feel free to ask us about the dark tower or dune we'll we'll Um, talk about either oh we did get a question which was just a question and i think that we probably covered it but i'll read the question anyhow so this question comes from yev on twitter Ask, do you have a reference between the original version of the gunslinger or the revised version? I think they meant preference. 
Um, for me, I haven't read the revised edition because I don't feel like I need to. I feel like the original version is such a is such a complete work in and of itself that I've never felt compelled to read the revised. Mm-hmm. But maybe I will now. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Megan, do you have a preference? Uh, honestly, I think it would just. I would say no. I would say read whichever one you'd like, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, yeah. Give both of them a chance, especially if you discover that you really like the series. I think it, it helps. You know, it's a nice yeah. completion kind of And I'm of not going idea. to lie. It's not an easy book to read. No. It's definitely worth it if you stick mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. You'll be yeah. rewarded. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, in the meantime, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at wordingpodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at Weirding Pod. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. Find us at any of those places. We're going to have pictures of our tattered old paperbacks uh, <laughs> up on the Instagram. So that'll be something fun for you guys, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll be back soon with more Dune stuff. I will set my watch and warrant on it. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. But I'll think of something. Okay. You'll think of something to make me insane. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's just like one thing I strive to never do is have a bunch of made up words Uh, in my books. (laughs) I'm not that imaginative for one. And for two, like nothing drives me crazier than a writer with their own slang. How do you ever read Stephen King? I read so much of it, too, and I think that's why it drives me crazy. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh. I mean, I'm reading The Stand right now, and I'm, I mean, there's that one chapter of The Stand where it's the trash can man and the kid, and the kid <laughs> is that character that just keeps saying, you hear me, happy crappy? And I'm like, I will fucking throw this book into a garbage can if I have to read the words happy crappy one more fucking time Steven (laughs) (laughs) just like what and I was listening to the audiobook so like the the narrator is like says it even like louder and he that's how he says it you hear me happy crappy like every time (laughs) I'm just like just kill me now (laughs) just get it over with (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, this will go on the stinger.